When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello, and thank you for downloading this week's podcast of the Best of the Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Coming up, funny man Russell Howard provides the giggles with Series 4 of the Russell Howard Hour, which returned to Sky 1 10pm last Thursday. Godfather of comedy John Cleese delves into his new manual, Creativity, a short and cheerful guide. Acting royalty Celia Imry tells us about Season 4 of the hilarious Better Things on BBC Two. And the Oscar-nominated Emily Watson reveals bits and bobs about the new mind-blowing psychological freakish thriller The Third Day, new to Sky Atlantic on Tuesday. All of that and loads more still to come. Now, Dapper Dave, who's the first guest? He's one of the most successful stand-ups in the UK and he's back once again taking a sideways look at the news. Series 4 of the Russell Howard Hour returns to Sky 1 tonight at 10pm. So please welcome a man that sees laughter lines when us mere mortals see headlines. It's the newshound himself, Russell Howard! <laughs> Good morning, Russell! Hello, everybody. What a lovely introduction. The, the newshound. You what are. a great name. You I'll are. take that. You're the comedy newshound, my friend. <laughs> but of course, uh, the best comedy all starts with the truth, don't it? Yes, often. Yeah. Um, so when you do, when you open with your your monologues, you know they could be you could one could describe them as you know Ben Elton esque or Bill Hicks esque, right? But they're funny. So you're raging and you're funny at the same time. How the heck do you do that? We well, just because I love it. I kind of um, also I've spent all of lockdown writing jokes about the world because it's my favourite thing to do. So I don't know really. It's just kind of it's a bit like. Asking Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo, do you like taking free kicks and scoring them? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just what makes you happy. But we can, um, all, we can almost all get our head or our foot around that, if you like. But you know, when you, you a comedy, b comedy, c comedy, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a real sort of, you know, off the wall, done well. Uh, yeah. Sort of uh, amorphous art form, but mm. when you're raging, you come on, you're raging, you're angry, you know, uh, you, you get a few expletives in there, and the funny's yeah. in there as well. There's there's room for the funny in amongst all the angst. There is, yeah. The world's full of woe and wonder. That's the beauty of it. It's just, particularly at the minute, you know, it's a vital time to laugh. So, you know, it's a tough time to be alive, but weirdly a great time to be a comedian. It's very strange. But when you when you do the setup, when you when you so you go, okay, what about this? Okay, and you build up, you know, and the kettle's <laughs> boiling, you know, and, and you and you that you you prime the, the the dynamite, and 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 then you go when when you write that when when yeah. when do you decide the laugh's going to come in? Does it come in on its own, or I don't know what the heck's going on? You're fr- you're melting my brain, Russell. Oh, well, I don't know. I've never, like, I guess it's the same with any kind of creativity, isn't it? I'm, see, I, I always do this similarly whenever I talk to my friends who are musicians. I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. Because musicians get to sit in a room uh-huh. and write their music, and then they come out of the room and they perform it for the world, whereas comedians yeah. have to go to, like, in the past six weeks, I've been doing gigs in woods and lay-bys <laughs> and car parks, and they've been amazing because I need the audience to create it with me because yep. their laughter creates the, the, the journey of the joke, as it were. It would be like Chris Martin going on in front of stage and going, it was all blue, no, it was all green, no, yellow. It was yellow, yellow, great. It'll be yellow tomorrow. <laughs> and it's, I think comics and musicians are both obsessed with each other. You know, I think David Bowie was like that with Robin Williams, where he was like, how do you do it? I want to know how you do it. Yes. You know, and it. It, like I would love to be able to sit in a room and create it in a vacuum, but you need people to do it. So at the minute, I'm doing a gig every Sunday in Clapham to try out the jokes that I then do for the TV show on Tuesday in front of no audience. But I've had the audience on Sunday affirm that it's funny. It's so weird, man. So weird. So, so you know, we, we enjoyed and we loved and we doted upon and we're in complete awe of your home shows but these you're now no longer at home you're back in a studio is that the deal yeah so back in back in the studio um yeah every tuesday writing the show um back in london i've been here for like the last I don't know, three months 
Um, my wife is still uh, working. I'm writing jokes, me and the dog, during the day, and then I make her dinner at night. That's my life at the minute. Okay. It's, uh, it's not, not what I planned <laughs> for this year, but... It's, you know, it's oddly. I feel very lucky. It's quite a good fun. Um, right, so, Ross, uh, John Oliver's on. Uh, other quick headlines yeah. from tonight's show. Off you go, fill your boots. Well, I didn't hear what you said. My dog was barking. Sorry, mate. <laughs> it was. It was just... It, no, the, uh, you know, uh, it's uh, such a cliche. My dog <laughs> is both is literally barking at the postman. It's ridiculous. What did you say? Um, other headlines from tonight's show in a oh, nutshell. Right. Yeah, so go on. We've got a new uh, part of the show called The People's Poll mm-hmm. where we have... Uh, 10 people on Zoom links with me. And uh, this week we were talking about your lockdown. What's the uh, the various things that have happened during their lockdown? And there is a, a young man called Matt who uh, found uh, his parents' wedding video um, on VHS. So he got it remade um, onto DVD. And um, it wasn't what he was expecting. No That's all I'll leave. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. Hang on a minute. But, uh, no, no need for any other highlights. Yeah. Um, you got John yeah. Oliver, you got that yeah. story, you got other things yeah. too, and Russell Howard holding the whole shebang together. Yeah, it's going to be great. Russell, listen, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, good luck with yours. You, you don't need it, but we all need a bit of luck nowadays. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Well done, pal. Have a lovely day. Cheers, Chris. Well done, Russell Howard. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. If you're looking to say that's your lot to writer's block, then our next guest is right up your street. His new, small and perfectly formed book, Creativity, is out now to prove that anyone can be creative. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the genius mind and razor-sharp tongue of the legendary John Cleese. Good morning, John. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm legendary today, am I? Sometimes I'm a national institution, and sometimes I'm a, I'm a, what am I? I'm a comedy icon, but I'm very pleased to be a legend today. That's lovely. Thank you, Chris. You'd take any of those three, wouldn't you, on any day, really, John? (laughs) <laughs> of course you would this is all newspaper nonsense and the lovely thing is nobody I know takes it seriously which is great how are you? very well John how are you doing? No, not too bad I'm feeling a bit old today I've been making a movie <laughs> in New York which is great fun but when you do a lot of 12 hour days it's a bit much when you're 80 you know <laughs> are you 80 now? 80 blimey O'Reilly that is incredible I didn't have you down for 80 well well done well done, John. On being well, I 18. think it's stem cell therapy, Chris. I'll have a word with you after the interview if you're Well, interested. I'll take anything I can get, Mr. Cleese. You know that. Um, oh, Mr. Cleese, call me John, you silly man. Why, why, have you, have you, why haven't you been knighted? Surely that's got to happen. Surely that should have been your but, 18th Well, I, I'm one of those people like my heroes, Michael Frayne and Alan Bennett, who are kind of quite happy to stand outside that. I'm very pleased when my friends get knighted, yeah. like uh, Tony Jay, who's no longer with us, sadly. And dear, Dear, dear Michael Palin, but it's not, I, I'm perfectly happy to be John Cheese. You know, I've been that for 80 <laughs> years, so there's no need to add add any complications to it. Right, John, a short and cheerful guide uh, to creativity. Now, this is uh, it's, it is mostly short, this, but it is very cheerful. However, I don't say that disparagingly because a lot of books like this. I'm a big fan of alternative thinking, creative thinking, lateral thinking. Edward uh, de Bono, love love his books. Um, oh yes, but a lot, yes, yes. a lot of those are wrapped up in flimflam. Not his, by the way. And they are, but they're, they're, those books should be this long, and they're not. They're a lot longer. So you've cut to the I chase here. More. I'm constantly reading books, particularly from America, that are really interesting for about seventy pages. Yeah. And then there's two hundred and thirty pages of padding, so that people can feel that they're getting their money's worth. You know that thing when people sometimes say, "I'm sorry, this is such a long letter, but I didn't have time to write a shorter one." Yes. You see what I mean? Well, I could have written a longer book. But I had enough time to do the thinking to write a shorter one because I was delighted when I talked to uh, to Marsha Carney. She said it and read it in just over an hour. And one of your producers just now, Helen, read it two days ago, about an hour, and said she's already putting some of it into effect. And that's exactly what I wanted to do, to keep it very short and simple. All right, so alternative thinking, creative thinking, you don't have to be a creative to think creatively, right? Give us some gold, Mr. Cleese. John, well, mind. it's very simple. Uh, look, here's the argument. The research shows that the creative people, regardless of their intelligence, are the people who can play. And the word they use is childlike play. Yeah. Well, uh, the only reason you can play is that you don't have other things distracting you. So children play because the parents are minding the shop. 
So if adults want to play, they have to get away from all the interruptions and uh, and uh, demands and obligations of everyday life, create a creative space, probably at least an hour and a quarter, maybe an hour and a half. When you don't get interrupted, you turn the phone off and you're absolutely alone without interruptions. And then you let your mind wander. For the first 10 minutes, you just spend thinking of all the things you should be doing instead of trying to be creative. I should have called Bob. Why do the Germans always win on penalties? I forgot to buy a present for the hamster, all that stuff. And then as that settles, you just let the mind wander and bring it back occasionally to the particular problem that you're trying to solve. And at some point, you get ideas. Of course, some of the ideas will be good and some won't. So you have to, after the creative period, you have to bring your ordinary critical mind in, which we're all taught at school, to say, well, this is a sensible idea. Will it fly? And maybe... Some of it's good and some of it's bad, in which case you can go back later on to another creative space and start with the good bits and see if you can build on them. So it's just a question of of playing in a relaxed kind of way without thinking too hard with the idea. And then your unconscious will start throwing you little clues, but usually in the form of images or feelings or things like that, rather than neatly printed out messages. Uh, and John, um, if people make, you know, they come up with an idea and it fails, you know, it, it, that doesn't matter. That doesn't mean it was a bad idea. That, you know, it doesn't even mean it was wrong and it could still come right. And that's very important for people to realise and remember. I'm so pleased you say that, Chris, because I always say that we don't have a word in the English a- language for a perfectly decent guess that turned out to be wrong. Um, There's an old English proverb that a man, of course, in those days they said that, a man um, who does not make uh, mistakes is unlikely to make anything. Yeah, that's so true. So You know, and, and salesmen who are the most successful of all have more refusals than the people who sell less. That's because they ask more people and the same percentage of acceptances happens and they get more sales because they get more refusals. People think they've got got to avoid a mistake. You know, who says a mistake is very important? If you're planning D-Day, then it is, but most of the time it isn't. Yeah, no, you're right. And if, you, if you're waiting for a yes, just get some more no's, because the more no's you get, the closer you get to your next yes. Uh, when you're 80, John, as you are, and you say, I'm feeling pretty old today, how does old feel? Tired. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you permanently vaguely exhausted. <laughs> do you stretch? Because I mean, I'm 53, I'm a mere whippersnapper to you, and it really annoys me when people who've turned 40 go, no, I feel old. So shut up, I'm 53. But then you could say, shut up, I'm 80 to me, I suppose. My knee- no, no, I would say once, once you get to about 70, you start losing energy, and that's a shame. But at the same time, as you get older, you get a bit craftier about how you use your energy. So it's a bit of a trade-off. Okay, so stay crafty, yeah? Yeah. All right, yeah. John. Great to talk to you. Uh, stay well, stay safe, and I hope to talk to you again soon. It's a lovely book, John. Well done. Yeah, any time. Cheers, Bless pal. You. Bye-bye. John Cleese Creativity, a short and cheerful guide. It, very, it is very cheerful. It is, let's say, concise, as opposed to short, because it is very concise. You know, every paragraph is gold. There's no flim, flam, there's no pum. Um, there's no puff, rather. Uh, it's all here. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Who are we talking to now, Dapper Day? She's an award-winning actress and best-selling author with class and sophistication oozing from every pore. The fourth series of BBC Two's hit show Better Things continues this Sunday at 10pm and here to tell us tales of her California love is a quintessential English rose. It's Celia Imry! Good morning, Celia! Good morning. This show is fantastic it's in its fourth <laughs> season and i watched all the episodes i was told to watch because yeah. they featured you and you're on the show today uh-huh. I, but then i did the thing i went back to you know episode one season one which often in america means the pilot show uh, yeah. where they have to work really hard to try and get this thing made yeah. um it's amazing so the ladies the character's name is sam fox tell us as much as you can about her to the extent that we might draw people into the net Okay, well, uh, Pamela Adlon is very well-loved throughout America, actually. She plays a slightly struggling um, one, uh, a mother bringing up, uh, actress bringing up three rather feisty um, daughters. She had the generosity, but maybe foolhardiness, to buy the house next door for her mother, who I play, Phyllis, 
who is um, uh, apparently um, described as a well-preserved bombshell, which I rather love. Um, and she's infuriating and amusingly frank, they say. She just says whatever she feels like. Um, and so the, the, the show is, um, it's called Better Things, but you can't really liken it to anything else. And actually, Pamela Adlon, who's a wonderful actress herself, and she writes it and directs it and oh, stars shit. in it. Oh, God. She doesn't really like acting going on. So it, it, events happen, and you sort of think, is there a camera around here? Are they aware of that? It's sort of events happening. It's yeah. very refreshing, I think. And I'm so glad you like it. Yeah, well, it's, it's refreshing. Not that it needs, you know, not that it's refreshing anything in particular, because it, it is, you know, original is a is a much overused sort of word. But it's like, you know, there are there are flashbacks, or are there? You're not even quite sure whether you've seen a flashback yep. or not. You know, it might might be a five second flashback. It might be a one second flashback. It may be exactly. whatever ever the future equivalent of a, a flash forward. It might be one of those. Then you get exactly. a bit of text. That, then they'll linger on a text conversation awkwardly for like two minutes, and all you see is the screen with this sort of upper you know sort of old mid middle-aged person's uppercase font you know yeah. with some dramatic music going on and then they cut to the funniest scene in the world and they cut to the most awkward scene in the world exactly. you know but what about me round the dinner table with lenny kravitz for my first scene un- unbelievable you know I and mean, just she, obviously thrilling obviously and, she knows him yes they were at school together apparently oh god i well. know but sharon stone is in uh, season three i think yeah uh, she comes in and so people are lining up in Hollywood to be in it. Yeah. It's so exciting, I can't tell you. Is this the show? When we met at our friend's wedding, our mutual friend's wedding, yes. is, is this the show you were talking about that you had to take, take a ship to America to film? That's right, exactly. Because, I was just on my way practically, wasn't I? Yeah, because you were going to the station, weren't you? Yep. Do, you, do you remember? Yeah, of course had, I do. You had your, 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 your uh, what are they called? My case. You, what, are they, what are they called, the trolley case? What would you call it? A pull, a, well, I it? don't know, but it was a bit embarrassing. And your friend Wahid was so charming and gentlemanly <laughs> and took it everywhere um, to your to the reception. <laughs> so, so because you famously don't fly, so you, you go yep. you you go overseas, don't you, to That's America? Right. Yes. Uh, and uh, this is, you know, I mean. When people ask you to do a job in America, are they aware of this? You know, are they aware of it's not baggage, but it's definitely it's definitely a caveat that you can only work with, isn't it? Well, yes. I mean, the thing is that you know, I have of course flown to India if I have to. Yeah. But honestly, to go on the Queen Mary, Chris, is the most wonderful way to travel. <laughs> sure it is. And um, and I did take a chance. I did jump on the ship one day in January. Right. And thought it's now or never for me to try my luck in America. And so even though I was half promised a job, which fell through halfway across the ocean, mm. um, it was honestly pure luck that I landed this part. And wow. boy, am I glad. It is such a cool part. I mean, you're, you, you, you're brilliant in everything. You've never been anything but brilliant in anything you do. Honestly, <laughs> I, you, it's true. No, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, I'm bright red now, Chris. <laughs> good. But you look like you are eating this up on screen. You look like you are... You're, you're lovely every minute and you've been in the business long enough you know I'm not, I'm not quite as long as you but long, we've both been in this business long enough yeah. to know that when you're in the middle of a hit make sure you enjoy it oh I do I do Pamela accuses me of eating the furniture I don't quite know what she's talking about. I know exactly she what makes, she's talking she about. She makes me do my own stunts, yeah. which I love. Yeah. Um, she makes me do things that I would never do for anyone else, Chris. You'll see what I mean if you get to the last episode. I won't say. All right. Exactly. Uh, right what's going on with um, future seasons of this amazing show, Better Things, which everybody now has to get into? They do. Um, well, I'm so happy, actually, Chris, because I think for four years people think I've been on holiday in America. And so it's, I'm so happy that it's come to England. Um, we've been greenlit for season five. God knows when that will be. Um, but that's, um, that's uh, uh, in the offing. Love, Sarah, the film that I did in Notting Hill, has um, been released on video now, so mm. that's good. Um, I'm at note session for a, a, I'm writing another book. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm keeping going. That's the most important thing. We have to, don't we? Absolutely. And have a laugh. Yeah, keep on going. Um, um, this too will end, etc., etc., etc. Celia, it's lovely to talk to you. Um, thank Gorgeous you, for, thank you for being you. on our programme and thank you for being wonderful at your job. 
My great pleasure, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, better things and couldn't be any better. Better things could not be any better as a TV show. Honestly, honestly, honestly. Sundays at 10pm, BBC Two, also available now on BBC iPlayer from uh, episode one, season one, which was the pilot episode, which tells you all you need to know. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. We've heard from three tremendous guests already, but there's still so much more top-notch goodness to come, including author and all-round genius Alan DeBotta discussing the ideas from his new School of Life book, Happy Healthy Minds, a children's guide to emotional well-being, friend of all creatures great and small Chris Packham diving into his stunning book, The Science of the Ocean, former monk, now social media star Jay Shetty is taking wisdom to a different level, going viral with his book, Think Like a Monk, and Secretary of State for Health and Social Care, Matt Hancock, giving us the down on if he knows who Banksy is and is the Prime Minister going to resign? I have no idea who Banksy is and the Prime Minister isn't going to resign. All of that and more still to come, so let's get right back to it. Dapper Dave, who's next? She's recently captivated us in Sky's Chernobyl and the quality just keeps on coming. The brand new mind-bending series The Third Day starts next Tuesday on Sky Atlantic and here to tell us more is the potty-mouthed, island-dwelling, shotgun-toting <laughs> actress we all know and love. It's the always sublime Emily Watson. Morning, Em. Hello, hello, hello. Was it... Was it was it fun being that sweary on set? Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness, <laughs> yes, it was. I think, uh, yes, I'm quite sweary in real life anyway, as, as contrary to my image. Um, no, it was fabulous. I mean, it was one of the things that made me love this piece and want to do it very badly. The third day begins Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, the 15th of September on Sky Atlantic, and it's very, very scary. It freaked us all out. I mean, I, I watched <laughs> one episode last night. With my wife, Tash. Uh, Rachel watched three on her own. How did you do that? How did you do that? How did you watch three on your own? I find it really hypnotic. I don't usually like things that are a bit scary or a bit sort of supernaturally or just where you can't rationalise it mm. with the logical mind. But it really did draw me in. And I've just, I, I had I had to know what was going to happen next. And your character, Emily, was just shown through it. I loved, and I loved the juxtaposition with your husband, who's very polite. Okay. Uh, Emily, I suppose you better describe what this show might, or might not be about because we're not quite sure but we loved it. Okay, so it, there's a, it's set on O.C. Island which is actually a real island in the Blackwater Estuary in Essex um, and it incorporates some of the history of the island but it's basically the island is run by a sort of religious cult kind of weird, bunch of really, really strange people and uh, Jude Law sort of kind of by accident, gets trapped there and sort of more and more and more drawn into their world and it gets creepier and creepier. Um, but it's it's a, just a really unusual... I mean, when I first read the script, by about page three, really sort of six or seven really weird and strange things had happened and I was totally, totally drawn into it. Now, because, because it's, you know, it doesn't have... Um... The most obvious flowing narrative to it, which is no bad thing. I love it like that. But how, how does a script like that read? How do you? Because you have to do a lot of work, don't you? As a, you know, yeah. reading that yeah. off the page, you you'll be think you will. You know, you thank goodness for me, you're so experienced. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so you think because it, it could go either way, couldn't it? I would imagine. Yes, and you it, it kind of wrong foots you quite a lot. You don't quite know who these who anybody is, who the good guys are, you know, or whether and the person who is your sort of very much front and centre um, narrator is Jude and, you know, he's got such a lovely, warm presence and you you feel very, he's very empathetic and then you start to think, oh my God, is he telling the truth about anything? What's, you know, what's the, you know, we can't, you don't really know who you can trust and I particularly love that about my character because she starts off, despite having the worst potty mouth ever, she starts off with very sort of warm and emotional and sort of comforting and, well, I, I, all I say is don't trust it. 
Yeah, they're they're a nutters. They're a mysterious yeah. farm farmers with shotguns. Um, yeah. There's uh, very various period um, uh, paganism going on. Uh, there's the there's the there's the eerie local pub, the very American werewolf in London eerie pub. Yes. The, who is the landlord? <laughs> who are the customers? And who are the who are the ones being served? And who are the people serving? And what might they be serving up under the counter? Da, da, da. Okay, well we have our own special brew mm. of um, uh, OC beer, which is salted. It's, they had, uh, we had extra salt to it, so it sends you mad. Um, and it's apparently very delicious. Um, and, yeah, we have this kind of, what, what you know, what seems like a very warm, inviting, kind of lovely atmosphere. Um, and then it gets very trippy. I think there might be one or two drugs involved. And, um, yeah, and it's you kind of follow Jude's character through tripping through this, this island and trying to escape and not knowing who to trust or whatever what anything is and then the second part Mm. is with Naomi Harris and she comes to the island and everything's completely changed and it's instead of this kind of bacchanalian summer it's really really cold and scary and wintry and you don't really know why she's there and and the mystery continues so Emily, I watched the first three episodes, which was yeah Jude's story in the summer, and they're having they're staging an outdoor festival, and it is all really warm on the surface, but sort of terrifying and cold underneath. And then I started <laughs> watching the fourth episode, and so yes, that's it's the same setting, the same island, the same buildings, um, and and a lot of the same characters, but it's a completely different story. How yes. was that to work well, with? You, you kind of, after a while, you, you begin to discover it's not a completely different story. Ah, and, so I only got to episode four, okay. But, um, yes, you'll have to stick with it and yeah. find out what's going on. Um, it's, I mean, that was amazing. We had two different directors, and obviously we, we filmed one in the summer and one in the winter, so um, it was a completely different experience. I mean, filming on OC in the summer was quite, you know, it was quite wonderful. It's a beautiful little island quite creepy but we you know we all we all had to stay there quite a lot because you cannot get off and on the island very easily because it's a tidal causeway and the tide's not right for boats so you you know you have to pick your moments to come and go which is quite tricky for a filming schedule um but it was a little bit like being away at boarding school everybody was staying in their little huts and cottages um so might you be going back there emily um you know i'm uh well Thing I, I'm already on to another project, right. and I'm I'm hoping that I might, but it's the, it looks like we might have a scheduling clash. So I will definitely be there in spirit if I can't be there in person. Well, it's all about the spirits. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so Emily Watson, um, you got M herself, and you got Naomi Harris who mentioned there, and we've got Jude Law. Some other names that you might recognise, Emily, please, off the bat. Paddy Considine. Oh, please. I love him. Love him. Um, my husband. Yeah, he's very, very funny. We, we, that, yeah, it's a great sort of duo that we have. He's very awkward, in it, isn't he? I mean, he's uber awkward. Yes. No, yeah. he's created this incredibly polite and weird pub landlord yeah. who's actually who will kill you really... in your sleep. He'll kill, he'll kill you in your sleep, <laughs> and he'll start. He'll start with your big toe. Yeah. All right. Okay, yeah. Emily. Lovely to talk to you. Um, thanks for being on the show. Uh, the third day um, begins Tuesday, fifth of September. Skylines at nine pm. Cheers, Em. All right, cheers. Ta-da, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Rock and roll. Thank you very much indeed. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Up next, we're speaking to Secretary of State for Health and Social Care, Matt Hancock. Good morning, Matt. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. How's it going? What's going on? What's going down? Well, thank you for finding the time to have me on. Well, you're very welcome. We've, um, well, it's been it's been quite a summer, hasn't it? It and, has. Um, um, and uh, well, I've, been, uh, I've been working away. Uh, but uh, I thought I'd come on because uh, I, I uh, we've made some we're making some changes to the rules and there's uh, 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 always such a you're always such a, so interested in what's going on. Okay, so what we heard last night, we got the heads up that uh, Matt has said, Matt's office said, can we come on tomorrow because uh, there's going to be lots of headlines, and uh, that was the truth uh, and some on the front page of all the yeah. papers today. So in yeah. England from Monday, um, parties of six or more, uh, sorry, more than six will be against the law uh, for another temporary period. We don't know how long yet. Um, what, right. What's the detail behind that, Matt, that p- will help people out, uh, uh, you know, beyond the headline? Yeah, so we just we want to make this super simple. A lot of the feedback we've got was that some of the rules have got quite complicated, mm-hmm. and we want to make it super simple. And we want to keep this virus under control whilst protecting schools and making sure they get back because that's gone really well. Schools going back, 
and obviously protecting um, work so that people can still go to work um, and not having, you know, I want to avoid the sort of action that we had to take in the spring. Um, and so we're bringing in a simple rule from Monday that people can't gather in groups of more than six. And the reason we're doing it that way is because we've seen this rise in the cases in the last few days, and it's largely amongst people who've caught it socialising, um, and our, our systems now can tell us uh, more, much more about where people are catching it from. Uh, and so, unfortunately, we're having to bring in this rule. I think uh, it will be quite warmly welcomed because it is super simple. Everybody knows how to follow it. And then, obviously, we'll have to enforce to ensure that people do. I'm so glad you came on to talk about it because I wasn't quite sure, really, what, what you know, how we were going to expand on what's in the papers and what's on the news. But I get it because I, I actually I wasn't becoming more confused about what I could do. I'd sort of just forgotten because we, yeah. we sort of just needed a bit of a refresher. And yeah. not only is this a refresher, but it's a distillation and going yeah. into a period that could... So it's not necessarily because of a spike. It's just because, you know, every a lot more people are, are Back, you know, or, or, or have returned to a new normal, and yeah. they just want a simple look. A twelve, the best explanations are twelve word or back of a fact packet things. Is that what we're talking yeah. about here? Yeah, that's right. It's it's super simple. Not more than six, except in exceptional circs. Uh, that doesn't mean school or work. And then the exceptional circs are going to be some really um, specific life events like weddings and funerals. Um, and, um, and, and, and that's it, right? You, know, you just know the rules. You can't gather in groups of more than six. Full All right. stop. All right. Uh, so a couple of quickies for you, Matt. The quicker yep. you answer them, the more we can get through. Um, mm -hmm. um, AA meetings, have, have they, they, they've been able to happen again. They're very important. They, they are often life-saving. What, what will little organisations like that, what, what are the rules that apply to those, those particular organisations? Uh, you can't gather in groups of more than six. But, so you can still have a meeting like that as long as there's six or fewer of you. So that's OK. Correct, yeah. All yeah. right. Um, now, um, let's get close to home here. Rachel, uh, Rachel and I are supposed to be running the virtual London Marathon on October yeah. the 3rd. It's on the 4th, but yeah. we, we were going to run October the 3rd because it's Saturday. Yeah. And then our families, we were going to get together. We were going to meet up for a little bit of a barbecue. Uh, there's six of us. There's five of them. That can't happen. That's correct. That oh. can't happen, I'm afraid. The, the, the virtual marathon can. Yeah. And uh, organised sports events uh, can happen when they, because again, when they follow the social, the, the, the COVID secure guidelines in the same way a workplace follows the, the COVID secure guidelines. Right. But I'm afraid the, the party afterwards can't happen. Okay, now this is interesting because because now we've, we've, uh, we've, uh, we've realised that it's not necessarily because of a spike, but it's hopefully to avoid a spike. I was going to say, maybe this is a temporary measure. There's been a spike and come the 3rd of October, uh, the these measures could be relaxed, but this is a sort of a, a semi, a more semi long term thing, maybe yeah. up until Christmas. Are we talking January? Yeah. yeah. This is for the foreseeable. I really hope that a combination of uh, the new generation of testing, which is uh, coming on stream, and potentially a vaccine, although that's always uncertain, means that we can have a, you know, get back to a Christmas that everybody wants to see. Right. But certainly for the period until then. Uh, this is this is for the oh, foreseeable, yeah. Right, so that's really interesting. So maybe, hopefully, if we all do what we're supposed to do, maybe yeah. things could 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 you that's have a, the incentive? Right. So could you have a window at Christmas? So maybe return to this in second week in Jan or something like that. I mean, you know, without I don't want you well, to say anything that you you don't feel comfortable I, saying. The, the honest answer is that is a that is a long way off in the life of the right. health secretary during a pandemic. Okay, but hopefully, if we adhere to these rules now, we might be able to to be more than six come Christmas for a while at least. Maybe I'm not going to rule it out. It, it, and, and that is one of the, you know, one of the reasons to follow the rules is yeah. that we keep the numbers down and we yeah. get this, uh, we'll keep this under control. You say it's not in response to the spike. We don't want the spike going uh, much further. And, yeah. and the truth is, you know, we've seen in France and in Spain, the spike has continued to go up and up exponentially. Right. In Belgium, they took some pretty firm action, very similar to this. And they brought it right down again. So this, we can control this as a society, but it's not just government who can do that. We've all got to play our part. Uh, before you go, uh, right, when we were away, 10 days, we had a fantastic time. Yeah, uh, we're, we're lucky than we deserve, or at least I am. Um, my wife has to put up with me, so she's not lucky at all. But yeah. uh, we stayed away from all news, international, yeah. all sporting yeah. events, international and national. However, we could not avoid one story that everybody's talking about. It was the fact that we heard on our fourth or fifth day that Boris Johnson is going to resign after he gets Brexit done. Is that is he or not? No, <laughs> no. Total rubbish. 100%. I haven't even, absolutely, yeah. All right. Yeah. That's it then.
Um, anything else you want to say before it's you amazing. go? That's what that's what cut through. I, no, I don't know what, seriously, yeah. that came through. It was all over the yeah. place. It's a pretty good one though. Whoever spread it, it's a pretty big one. That, isn't well, it? Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of noise in my uh, in my world, okay. and you've got to cut through it. Like the super simple new rules that we're putting in place. Nice. Squared the circle. Boom. Yeah. Uh, and they are once again Matt Hancock, Secretary of State for Health and Social Care. Before you go. Yep. Go on then. What? Oh, tell you the rules. <laughs> yeah, one more time. Encore. It's encore time. Encore. Because in order to control this virus, yep. we've all got to do our bit and not socialise in groups of more than six. And in order to keep the schools open, to keep people going back to work in a COVID secure way, it's really simple. Don't socialise in groups of more than six. All right. And once again, you can officially confirm you have no idea who Banks is. I have no idea who Banks is and the Prime Minister isn't going to resign. Thank you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Dabba Dave, over to you. Who's next on the show? Being a kid is fun, freeing and frightfully complicated. Luckily, our next guest is here to help. The School of Life's new book, Happy Healthy Minds, is out now and aims to improve the emotional well-being of children. So please welcome a man whose mind is happy, healthy and generally quite magnificent. It's Alan de Botta. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, Chris. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. It's a brilliant oh, book. It's called Happy you. Healthy Minds. And it's a product of the School of Life. We'll get onto what the School of Life is in a moment or two, but let's dive straight into the book for people listening because it's really important. Chapter one, parents. Uh, right, what are you telling them, i.e. the kids, the enemy, about us, the grown-ups, their enemy, and need we be worried, Alain? No, I mean, I think, you know, we have to really imagine that for a child, parents are a funny thing. Um, they didn't choose them. Neither side chose one another. And both sides find each other rather puzzling. And what I think children are rarely taught is what it's actually like to be a parent. You see, one of the things that um, children routinely really mind about their parents is they seem to fuss over them. You know, why are my parents fussing? Why are they worrying about my teeth and whether I ate a carrot or whether I've been brushing my teeth? And I think that the important thing to stress is um, for a parent, a child is always between zero and two years old. Even if the person happens to be 55, um, actually they are an infant. And that's just the way we're wired. To tell an eight-year-old that can be very helpful because eight-year-olds are just puzzled. Why does my mother or father treat me like a baby? Well, don't take it personally. This is the way we're wired. And the book goes through some of the reasons why. So a lot of the time, what we're trying to do is to give kids ideas that will help to reframe the world, lessen their panic about things, make things a bit more predictable. Basically, you want kids to feel safe in the world. And, and some of that has got to do with having the right ideas in your mind. And the thing uh, kids don't understand, and we've all been kids, so we talk about them as if we haven't, which is really frustrating, is frustration itself, because having kids is generally Wonderful! It's the greatest thing, or one of the greatest things that people can experience. Some people don't have children, some people can't have children. I get that completely, but it, it is a magnificent and it is a magical thing. However, however, okay, in italics, uh, in inverted commas, the one thing that us former kids don't like about having kids is they turn us into parents, and we don't actually want to be parents. Um, well, I think I think you know one of the things we talk about is why do kids often spot their parents being hypocrites? Yeah. So that you know the kid will uh, the, the parent will say to the kid, you know, don't eat chocolate, work hard, etc. And then one day, you know, the kid comes down and sees the parent slouching on the sofa eating chocolate and says, if they've learnt that very important word inside families, you hypocrite. Yeah. Um, and I think that one of the great fantasies of parenthood is um, I'm going to bring up my child to make one or two fewer mistakes than I made. And it's a it's a lovely ambition. And I think if we get there by about the year, you know, eight million, we'll have um, corrected <laughs> the human species. But we're still we're still trying to, to do that. So if you're a, a young person listening and you find your parents are hypocrites, good. What they're trying to do is to spare you one or two mistakes. They don't want you to be as lobbyish, as uh, mistaken, as uh, you know, impulse-driven as they were. They want you to try and be slightly better. But I think kids have a problem doing that. They sort of go, you're not allowed to tell me not to eat chocolate if you eat chocolate. Yep. And I think the parents' real answer is, no, 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 no. I'm trying to spare you the ills that I've been suffering for decades. So I think it's, yeah, it's, it's an ambitious business being a parent, and that's why it's such a frustrating business. There's, there's no area in which we have more hope uh, and therefore, at the end of the day, as parents, we have to remember that we haven't given birth to angels. Sometimes we think we have, 
Um, but it is a mistaken belief. We've actually given birth to those rather puzzling, misshapen, sometimes brilliant, sometimes awful things called human beings. Right. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's a journey for a parent to accept. Right. So people, if they don't know what the school of life is, you know, can you, can you give us your sort of um, uh, mission statement, if you don't mind? Yes. So it's a, it's a, school of life is a one-stop shop. Um, we're online and it's to help you to navigate the difficulties of emotional life. So it's, it's for adult relationships, friendships, relationships with, with parents. Uh, and then, of course, we've got a kids division as well, where we're talking a lot about the, the difficulties that, um, uh, that kids face. We offer psychotherapy, we offer classes, instruction, and it's just a very friendly, um, very accessible place where some of the difficulties of being human can be addressed with compassionate and kind people uh, who are up for a you know, good, good conversation and have got good advice as well. It's a brilliant idea and I love it and I know it's worldwide and I know a lot of your books are sort of short stories or thought pieces written anonymously by very famous people who, will, who like Banksy, will never know who they are, but, uh, but it's all, all very good, it's all priceless stuff. Uh, how is it going as a movement, would you say? Um, look, it's going, it's going really well. Um, we had a, a difficult period um, just as COVID struck because a lot of stuff that we did was um, with seeing people. We had consulting rooms, etc. We had to just shut everything down. It's still shut down. Uh, our shop's open in central London, but um, a lot of the stuff is shut down. But we've moved everything online. And, um, you know, like many people, we thought, God, why didn't we do this earlier? Yeah. Yeah, so it's much more accessible to people around the world, which is, you know, really terrific. I heard about this fantastic book, which I want to buy today, um, written by a, a man almost as clever as you Anna and it's about it's for couples and it's the rules of fighting so it's it's, because there are rules to rowing but we just don't realise that our partner's rules are different to ours and if we play by the same rules our rows will be resolved a lot more sort of um, collegiately Absolutely, arguments are fascinating things because um, so so often, um, so often that you know that, that sort of like you know that there's a landing zone where two people could get on, yeah. but they're just stubbornly going to the left or to the yeah. right of it, and you could just nudge them towards it. You know, hallelujah! Can but, we have a, um, can yeah. we have an in-depth chat about that? Because I think that would be Absolutely. very helpful for a lot of people. Alan, uh, God bless you. Thanks for being on the program. Thank you. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. Happy Healthy Minds is out now, and it is a book full of gold. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Our next guest is forever at the forefront of wildlife conservation and is responsible for some cracking haircuts over the years. His new deep dive book, The Science of the Ocean, is out now. So, ladies and gentlemen, pack him up, pack him in. We'll let him begin. It's Mother <laughs> Nature's finest, Chris Packham. Nice intro, Dave. Morning, Chris. Good morning, good morning. Okay, if any aliens have just landed, we must point out, as good as Dapper Dave's intro was, uh, Chris Packham is not a hairdresser. He's not responsible for many, for many great haircuts. I, I googled him this morning. He's had some incredible... No, he's had them, but he's not responsible for them. The hairdresser was responsible for them. I feel like he designed them and well, told the hairdresser there, what to do. There was an element of design. I must yes! claim some credit here. At one point in the 1980s, whilst I was studying badgers... I dyed my hair to look like a badger with two white stripes running through the black. Yeah, but Dickie Davis got there decades before you, Chris. <laughs> he did. He did indeed. But he never had his he never had his head down the set, did he? Well, who knows? Who knows what went on after the world of sport um, closing titles finished? Um, when did your hair hairdos get sharp? When did when did they begin to get sort of knife edged? Oh, from the sort of seventies onwards. So I, 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 one afternoon when I was sixteen, I just went home and dyed my hair black, and then I bleached it a couple of times, and it went blue. And all, you know, as it was in the seventies, we experimented with all that sort of stuff, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, to my parents, obviously abject horror, but um, things have calmed down now. I mean, I, I'm fortunate to still have all of my hair, given the amount of bleach that I put on it in the uh, in the seventies and eighties. To be quite honest with you, but I still got it there, and it's still relatively spiky. But as is the personality, I hope. Yeah, which is unfair because I didn't bleach my hair at all, and I've hardly got any left. Uh, now, tell us about the evolution or, or the, what's gone on there. Come on, you know about all this biology and biochemistry. Yeah, I think it's um, basically it's more related to your grandfather. Um, and there are several stages which we males lose my hair. I didn't want to be too smug, actually, because I'm in the, I'm in the next stage now, and it could start. I could start losing it at any point. But do you know what, Chris? Do you know, it's part of life. I, I just think if, if it goes, it goes. You just carry on. Oh, that's all right for you to say because it hasn't gone. <laughs> so you can't say that. That's not fair. You have no idea. You've got to be genetically pragmatic about it. Yes, says the man who's not suffered the consequences of what could happen on the downside. Yeah, Do, do any animals shed anything because of, you know, uh, worry or, or, or their lineage? 
No, but they do. I mean, their hair will thin as they get older. So uh, mammals we're talking about. So right. yes, you can you can often age a mammal roughly by the state of its pelage, as we call it, its fur or hair, <laughs> and they and, and they certainly go grey. I mean, my black poodles have always ended up as um, what should we say a lighter shade of black, right? Um, because they they go grey. So yes, greying in mammals and thinning of the hair is relatively common if they're lucky enough to get to old age, of course, because in the wild world there's all sorts of pressures upon them. Of course there are. Okay, the science of the ocean, the secrets of the seas revealed. This is A, a beautiful book, B, a brilliant book. Um, and now, you know, when, when a book like this is um, is being thought about, you know, it's not an inexpensive book to produce. Is this probably the, the most sort of opulent um, tome you've been involved in? Well, I've, I've had the great good fortune to work with Dorling Kindersley, the publishers, on a number of these of, of these books. And they are, as you said, exquisitely beautiful. They're luxurious. The photographs are astonishing. The artwork is, is beautiful. Um, but they're also, from my point of view, important because they're packed full of information. And they're very contemporary. The information has relevance. So as much as this book dives into the oceans from the shallows of the shores to the deepest parts of those trenches out there, there is a conservation message woven through it. And that is that, you know, we need to understand how our oceans work and how we are connected to them and dependent upon them because at this point in time as much as we can revel in their richness and we certainly do in this book the colors the shapes the forms i mean it's like it's like you know you know the, the latest james cameron movie's been put down on the page this makes look avatar look amateur you know in terms of the you know the inventions that evolution has come up with here i mean i've got one page open here now i'm looking at an, a giant isopod so essentially we're looking at a giant woodlouse that lives at 800 metres below the surface and grows to half a metre long. I know, long. I know. Oh, can you imagine that, a half metre long woodlouse? And you can't, and also, sorry, you can't bring them to the surface because they explode, don't they? Yes, exactly. Yes, these are these are realms beyond our reach. And what I love about this book is that you can immerse yourself in it in the comfort of your living room without getting wet, but go to places <laughs> where you'll never be able to take your body, as it were. And you know, I've got I've got to get one thing in, Chris. So you know, giant clams are remarkable organisms. There's a beautiful photograph of one in the book here, and there's a range of species. You know, the bivalves, the scallops, if you like. Yeah. There are ten thousand different species of those all around the world. These giant clams, the big biggest of them can grow to about 200 kilograms in weight. They're exquisitely beautiful. But how long do you reckon a giant clam will live? Remember, this is a, essentially a seashell, as it were. Well, I would say over 100 years because it's giant for a kickoff. So may, maybe a few hundred years is what I'm saying. And you're correct. We think that the oldest lived animal as, that has yet been recorded was a giant clam called Ming, that lived to 507 years old. I was going to say that, actually, 507. <laughs> well, you were quite, you were quite <laughs> with hundreds. But who would think of a seashell living for 500 oh, years, no. older than giant tortoises, older than blue whales? I mean, these are the, possibly the oldest animals on the planet. And there they are. And sadly, that particular species, the ocean quahog, is being dredged out of the sea on a daily basis, and people are eating them. They're 500 years old. Right, Chris, it's a beautiful book. Just before you go, and we literally have 10 seconds left. OK, so, so leatherback turtles eat jellyfish for fun. How hard are their mouths? OK, we know that badgers eat what eats wasp nests for fun and and brambles and things like that if there was a fight between a badger's mouth and a leatherback turtle's mouth which mouth would win I would go for the badger's mouth. They've got a formidable bite because they used to have to fight off bears and wolves and they certainly bite your finger off if you put your finger in. I wouldn't put my finger into another back turtle's mouth either, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> Nor should you, for heaven's sake. They've got a problem with the plastic age. All right, Chris, thanks for being on the show. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ta-da. Chris Packham, The Science of the Ocean, The Secrets of the Seas Revealed, beautiful book. It's out now, my friends. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's a human quality stamp on pretty much anything you can watch. The new jaw-dropping series Des starts this Monday on ITV at 9pm and here to delve into the mind of a man dubbed the kindly killer is another man that's all thriller and absolutely no filler. It's the brilliant Jason Watkins. <laughs> morning, Jason. Good morning. All How are you? How are you? I'm very good. Okay. Uh, well, you know, jobs are foot, uh, but this jobs are good. And my yeah. goodness me, we have all watched it. We all watched it last night. We had an ITV Great. press preview and coded link to it. Vassas watched it. Mira watched it. Rachel watched it. I watched it. Dave watched it. Jane watched it. 
unbelievable. What well, that's we, great to hear. What are we yeah. talking about, Jason? Well, this uh, three-part drama, it's, it follows the arrest and trial of Dennis Nielsen, one of the most uh, notorious serial killers in British legal history. And uh, the growing horror of his case is kind of uh, uh, depicted in, in our drama. D- uh, David Tennant plays Dennis Nielsen. And Danny Mays, a brilliant performance by David. I mean, it's just unquestionably brilliant, as is Danny's is sort of emotional centre of the piece. And I play an interesting guy called uh, Brian Masters, who at the time, 1979, uh, at the, when, the, when it was set, when, the period, when, it, when it all happened, is, was a royal biographer. And he took an interest in the case. And unusually, he was able to interview Dennis Nielsen pre-trial. So you get this very strange mechanism where you've got uh, the police investigation going through, trying to principally find out how many people he killed. Dennis Nielsen was delivering up the goods and, and, and telling, confessing. But he was also, Brian Masters managed to interview him in parallel. And Brian was interested in why he did it comprehending how such a event can happen and, and also, you know, being nauseated by the horror of it. And, and he ended up, Brian, writing this book, Killing for Company, on which our drama is based. And it's a seminal book on crime, principally because it's about trying to comprehend how an individual psychologically can do this. And I think what's great about television at the moment is that you can get right inside the heads of people. And this is what this drama does. It's not a sensationalist look on the case. It's about trying to work out how one human can do this to another one. Yeah, well, not just one, obviously, um, because it was 15 in the end. It was, yeah. I mean, he confessed, I think, to 13, I think. But there there were more. There may have been even more. And they were vulnerable people. I think this is another principal ingredient to it and what is great about the drama is that it embraces and looks at the fact that at that time there were vulnerable people on the street and he preyed upon those and Stonewall is part of our production in that young gay uh, and uh, people on the streets are vulnerable as they were are now as they were then so um, it touches on that and on the period I mean he was a uh, Dennis Nelson was a kind of they call him the sort of kindly killer, which is ridiculous because, it, but he had a double life. He worked in a you know he was a, in Kentish Town Dole Office as a manager of a Dole Office and had a rather sane sort of uh, prosaic life. And then he had this extreme horrific double life. And he was an ex-copper as well. He was an ex-copper. Yeah, he was an ex-chef as well. So he trained as a chef in the army which obviously bears awful fruit, if I can use that analogy, later on in the way that he disposed of the bodies and he stored them under his floorboards. And, you know, one of the breathtaking um, aspects of it from a, from a, a viewer's point of view is the fact that the, the first 15 minutes, which sets the whole thing up, is so unbelievably undramatic. It's so undramatic, therein lies the drama, and it sets the tone for, for the whole story. Now, I, I don't know, you know, we're of a similar age. I don't recall, I mean, I was, I was a kid at the time, but I don't recall it being as, as weird as obviously it was. Yeah, no, at the time, I remember, I remember it. Just, I'm slightly older than you, believe it or not. It's incredible to think, isn't it? We're looking at it side by side. But, um, <laughs> and I sort of remember it unfolding and the horror that, that was yeah. sort of happening. And, uh, yeah, it, it kind of, it was just a, a terrible uh, moment in, 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 in sort of our, our life, our sort of like country in a way yeah. right okay so um we've got to wrap up so brilliant just watch 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 well i promise you i promise you jason we'll say this on monday tuesday and wednesday again next week because it is absolutely f- dynamite television Thank it you. is it is unbelievably good Thank um you. and you've worked with tenant then uh you know david anyhow and you were supposed to go around the world with him in 80 days yeah we were and we, <laughs> tell us now, about we that you got 30 seconds tell days. us about that come on uh, it's just around the world in 80 days is uh it's a big pan-european co-production and david plays phileas fogg and uh i'm with him in on that adventure and it's in highest but we started again in the middle of right so it's year. not it's not like a sort of a superstar um uh a-list uh travelogue it's it, not it's, it is a dramatic recreation of what might have happened yeah it's not like the A team going around the world. No, it's kind of uh, yeah. It's uh, a smile on your face. You loved it. <laughs> it was. We had a great time in South Africa. It was right. lo- lovely to work with him. Jason. And I also just say, I mean, I'm starting filming again next week on McDonald and Dodds. Yeah, which is which a break. Was a breakout just, hit. So congratulations. So, yeah, lovely. We're starting again. Doing all right, aren't you? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Good, Jason. Lovely to meet you. Thank you so much. Can I mention one thing, Do Chris? Do we all? 
On Sunday yep. is World Sepsis Day. And yeah. people will maybe know my history. We don't need to talk about it now particularly, but we lost our daughter to sepsis. And it is, it is World Sepsis Day on Sunday. So if anybody could just take an interest and look at the website, the UK Sepsis Trust, that would be wonderful. OK, all right, we will do that. Say that again one more time. UK Sepsis Trust. The UK Trust. Sepsis Trust, and it's Cycle for Sepsis. So if you want to cycle to support research and, and sufferers of sepsis and those who've died, etc., uh, you can cycle throughout september and raise money for it but it is world sepsis day on sunday well, so if you go to the uk sepsis trust site it'll give you all the information will you be you cycling anywhere? i will be cycling can we cycle with you can you we can come can we get to involved? box hill yeah i'm going to oh box I'm, I'm not sure about that <laughs> <laughs> mad yeah come on chris uh, uh nine no. o'clock richmond park and then we're cycling out to box hill yeah and back again so um yeah you know i'm just saying it no, well, we'll definitely cycle for you. If I, we've got a big family deal on Saturday, um, and I just might not be, I might be more falling than cycling. But, but no, I will do. I promise you, we will do that for. Well, somehow, we'll get involved. That's wonderful. Okay, Thank you. no Thank problem. You. You're very welcome, and congratulations to you and the whole team. Thanks, Chris. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Des starts this Monday, fourth into September, um, nine pm. ITV. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. In the hustle and bustle of the modern world, peace and serenity is hard to come by. But with the help of our next guest, you could just do it. His new book, Think Like a Monk, is out tomorrow, and he's joining us now live from Los Angeles. Get ready, everyone, because this uptown monk's gone. Give it to you. It's the one and only Jay. <laughs> Very good, David. Very good morning, Jay. Good morning. Hey, Chris. How's it going? Very well. How are you, my friend? I'm really well. I'm really well. So grateful to be here. Think like a monk. Train your mind for peace and purpose every day. Uh, Jay, you had a birthday yesterday. Happy birthday. Will Smith wishes you happy birthday on Insta. How does that feel? <laughs> it was it was wonderful. It's been great to receive so many amazing messages yesterday and uh, it was it was a perfect birthday. How do you know, Will? Because there's a picture of you and, you and him on his Insta, and you look like you you're rock climbing or you're caving. There's a waterfall behind you. You got bobbly hats on and puffer jackets. <laughs> yeah, we were we were travelling together recently for for some of his work, and so uh, we we caught that candid while we were out exploring. But yeah, he's 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 absolutely awesome and. Uh, an incredible, incredible human being. He's a very cool dude. I've had experience of Will. I've been very fortunate to be in his company a few times. And he's there's something special going on there. He's he's very monk light uh, like. Uh, did you did your monkey minds uh, meet as one? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I feel more and more that I spend time with so many people in the world. I find that everyone has a monk mind inside of them. And it's all about excavating it, discovering it, and uh, nurturing it, so that we can all we can all live to our highest monk selves. Right, bit of projection here. Forgive me for this one. Uh, you know what that means, don't you, uh, Jay? Um, yeah. Question goes like this. Um, let's get this one out of the way because I'm very interested in this actually. So, so when you were a youngster here in the UK, you, you were always going to talk. You're always trying to better yourself, trying to learn from people, uh, wise people, successful people. What's it all about? You wanted to be successful. You thought you might want to be rich, maybe and or famous. And then your mate drag you along to see a monk you fell in love with the monk you then became a monk then you stopped being a monk and hey presto you are rich and famous so how does that how do you sort of convey that to people saying yeah yeah i know i wanted that but then i didn't want it but now i have it you know where where's the how do you explain that sort of disconnect yeah absolutely i i think that we live in a world where we're always trying to box our experiences or try to make things seem possible or impossible and we put parameters and limits around who we can be or what we can be and i think for me all I can say is that every stage of my life, I've genuinely followed my my intuition and my calling and tried to discover my purpose and follow that intuition. And so for me, I've really been led on a life of purpose. And whatever that's led to externally uh, is just a bonus of waking up and getting to do what I love every day. So I loved waking up as a monk every day. I love waking up and living in the world of media today. And I think it's beautiful if we just allow ourselves to evolve and embrace different ways of life and lifestyles at different stages in our life rather than keeping ourselves trapped into thinking there's only one way you know your book is a mixture of biography the practical the you know this the oh so simple practical and then there's a bit of woo woo in which i'm all i'm fully on board with the woo woo because it's as real as everything because what's really in the first place anyhow so let's let's focus on that a bit first of all let's go practical i love your audit um system because the, a lot of people journal nowadays so i journal you know where am i in life uh, where am i today what do i want what do i want what effect do i want to have in the world World today or this weekend but in a way auditing is reverse journaling isn't it so just explain that if you don't mind yeah absolutely so the reason why i prefer auditing as a starting point is 
I really believe that we all think we know what we value and what's important to us. But what really shows what we value and what's important to us is how we spend our time, how we spend our money and how we spend our energy. So the three things that we all have to spend our time, money and energy. And literally, if you spend a week tracking how much time you devote to family, friends, health and self, and then ask yourself what you value most, then if you can check them against each other and they align, when you find that alignment, then you say, okay, I've got it right, or there's some things I need to change here. And so for just doing that over a week and just just realizing that actually, oh, I've, I said I value my family, but I haven't spent more than 30 minutes with them this week. Or I said I value my purpose and my calling and being an entrepreneur, but I haven't given my business more than two hours. So when you see that on paper yeah. written down in front of you, it, it shifts everything. I agree. I, I, I agree. I mean, people go, yeah, yeah. And what they do is they imagine, they think, oh, that's a nice idea. Yeah, I could do that. And then they imagine doing it and then they, they think they've done it so they don't need to do it. But it's a whole world of difference away from that. You've got to write it down or say it out loud, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think vocalizing things is so important. And we're always talking to ourselves. I think that's the thing we forget. We're always saying things like, oh, I'm so tired or oh, I'm having a bad day or we're always talking to ourselves. And so if we can reframe and in the book, as I talk about spot, stop and swap, if we can spot, stop and swap our patterns of thinking, then we can start creating a new way of life. All right, where do you want to be uh, when you're 66? So you're 33 now, so let's double that. Let's, let's go when you're 66. Where do, you, where do you think you might be? That's a great question. I think, I think I'll be hopefully doing exactly what I'm doing today in a, a deeper, bigger, smarter way, in a way where all of entertainment can have an incredible educational heart inside of it. Imagine every piece of content you saw, whether it was drama, comedy, uh, tragedy, whatever it was, any of the genres, but the people that had created it were creating it to better humanity. I think that would be an incredible world to live in, and I hope I'd have some part in that. Okay, so that's doubling your age. That's half your age now. Let's go back to 16 and a half. So you're, you're, today, you're 33 years old and one day now today. So if you could give your 16 and a half year old self a single bit of advice, what might that be? It would be to continue to follow your intuition and your heart and listen to your inner voice and don't get distracted by any of the opinions, <laughs> expectations or uh, obligations around you. And now there's so many avenues for that, isn't there? We've got to close down all those avenues all the time. Uh, Jay, Absolutely. lovely to talk to you. Um, fantastic. Good work, my friend. Thank you so much, man. I look forward to meeting you. I was really looking forward to seeing you this time. So right. hopefully soon. Whenever we can, we will. Thank you very much. Uh, Think Like a Monk, Jay Shetty. It's out tomorrow. And it was his birthday yesterday. And he's wise way beyond these years. Way beyond his 33-year-old. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast. And you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.